Welcome back to the ICU Life and Recovery Podcast. My name is Mark and I am the host. And today we're going to speak about creativity in ICU recovery. In my recovery, I have went through various phases of trying to use things to help me get to grips and understand what has happened to me. Initially, I started trying to blog and trying to note down my experience and sort of try and put it into a a sort of prose narrative of what had happened to me but it helped but I found that to write a proper blog it was a lot of writing and as a dyslexic person that kind of put me off doing it so I would wait long periods of time and then I wouldn't feel that I cover everything because my memory wasn't brilliant at that point and so I wasn't able to effectively put down what had happened and so I felt that it wasn't a great use of my time. It wasn't particularly beneficial as I wasn't able to give a fair representation of what was happening and as such I felt that it was doing a discredit to other people who are going through similar things or who have survived things similar and might be looking for some guidance or light or or just sort of a common feeling. So I didn't ever want to be a negative thing and I started uh, speaking as a, as a volunteer for my post-ICU clinic and sharing my experience and I found that that was quite helpful and that I had a sort of natural aptitude for speaking to a crowd that I never had before and then was invited to speak at other things, conferences, so delirium and various other things but what really seemed to be what seemed to resonate with me and seemed to get me noticed by people beyond the treatment team that had looked after me was when I started writing poems about my experience. Now what I found with the benefit of the poems was I was able to put an event or a story of my life and synced it into three, four, five, six stanzas and just be able to almost bottle it and put it into that page and then just let it sit there just let the the negativity and the other you know the bad memories of it and just let it sit in that page and I found that really quite helpful but I think that creativity is a is a huge tool that can be used in ICU recovery and I'm not saying like everybody will be able to write poems or or anything like that. I'm I'm thinking I'm not a great poet by by technical standards. I'm probably quite bad, but that's not what the point of it is. I'm not writing them to win favor or become a a professional poet. I'm writing them to help me get my experience out of my head and to help process it through and for some people maybe it is poetry maybe poetry will help you for others it might be painting 
it might be writing songs, it might be singing, it might be dancing. Um, for every person will have that thing that brings them joy, brings them relaxation, or allows them to channel this experience and energy out into the world, into something different where it transforms and you can use that transformation to try and understand why the experience is causing you problems because I started writing poems when I was having anxiety issues and PTSD issues and I was trying to use it as almost a, a stop guard a kind of so I could retroactively look at it and go what was I feeling then why was I feeling it is there something I can do to not feel like that? So some of the early ones, I, found, I, I kind of was able to see that certain places were causing me issues, but that those places were not avoidable. They were key and integral parts of my life. But that allowed me through my... Uh, seeing the community mental health team to maybe have a bit of a better understanding and idea of where the traumatic issue was which allowed me to navigate to the memory that was causing the problem and allowed my EMDR treatment to be successful but even with my EMDR treatment working which reduced the uh, well almost stopped the panic attacks and, and the PTSD issues that were accompanying them and I'm still left with lingering anxiety and particularly in the current climate where we're going through the COVID-19 pandemic it's a very anxious time and when I get strong emotions whether it be anxiety whether it be anger whether it be loneliness or any other sort of emotion I resort to poetry because I find that it is a natural outlet for emotions so I'm going to read now a poem that I wrote last year that if anyone knows me from Twitter or has seen me speak at a conference you've probably heard it as it's one of my my favorite tools in trying to get across what the delirium experience was. Delirium is crazy. It makes you insane. Believing things that make no sense. Being hunted down worldwide by nameless foes. Being held down in water, drowning to death. Brought back to suffer some more. Cut open and made to bleed from my wrist. Suffering for information. I will not give. Put in situations designed to cause harm. Put in a freezer to try and kill me. Shock probes in my arms to force the truth. But in my defence, I was absolute. I would not betray the safety of my family. I would not give in to those who harmed me. They have so much to live for and achieve. So stalwart in my resistance and belief. The toll it was taking in seven years, poking at my weakness and vulnerabilities. 
breaking me down with time I sensed, found a gun, put it to the side of my head, pulling the trigger, hoping for death, keeping my family safe with this last act. Time slows, the fire burrowing deep in my brain, then darkness for a second, then back to hell again. Now this, this was a tool for me, so at this point I didn't think that delirium was getting fully appreciated by a lot of healthcare professionals and that they didn't truly understand what it was like to experience delirium. And my delirium experience in ICU is not particularly strange. Having spoke to a lot of ICU survivors that have had delirium, it's very similar. Either being tortured, being experimented on, or having your family replaced by robots or simulations. Um, so this is not... I am not an extreme case. I am not an outlier of this tale. I am the norm of what delirium is. And as such, we need to treat it with respect and treat the people who are having delirium with respect and understanding and trying to help them get better and try and avoid delirium in circumstances where we know there is a high risk of the of issues developing, uh, such as in ICU, there are various things that can be done to try and reduce the chances of getting delirium, uh, as well as pre-surgery and post-surgery, and certain types of infections, and managing pain in people quickly and effectively. There are so many things that can be done to help stop delirium that uh, I feel that we should champion it as best we can and things like the sign guideline in Scotland on delirium is a big step forward as it is a document from the governing body telling medical and healthcare professionals this is what you have to do this is how things have to be done these are the things that work these are the things that we know don't work through uh, extensive research and qualitative research and just sets a standard that there shouldn't be any difference in delirium care in Aberdeen, as in Glasgow, as in Edinburgh, or in a little island in the Outer Hebrides. The care should be the same. The guideline applies everywhere. Things that should be done shouldn't be done but it's, it's really important and as you listen to more and more podcasts this will become a common thread as you will probably see on all of my podcasts so far I am a huge advocate for improving delirium care it's a big part of my life still and now nearly five years post ICU stay I'm still affected by the after effects of it it is not something that just happens in the hospital and then people get better and then that's it. It's not. It is also not pleasant. So when you say pleasantly confused, to me that speaks to a complete and utter lack of understanding of what the issue is or, even worse, 
a complete lack of empathy to the situation. <laughs> so that got a little deep and a little dark, but um, I feel that it's a rather important topic and it will appear in quite a lot of my poetry as it is such an important part of my life and with most poets and most things that people write poems about the things that are important are the things that you're going to write about and the things that are going to resonate most with you so things in public life also affect me so I'm a big fan of Hamilton the musical and so I wrote this poem after having seen Hamilton on the Disney Plus platform which I really loved but you, you see if you are familiar with the the play then you understand where this um, poem comes from it's heavily influenced from it I write every line because I'm running out of time I write every line because I'm on borrowed time I'm writing every verse because I'm on the grind I'm writing every verse to unbind my mind. I write every stanza to structure my thoughts. I write every stanza to clear my mind. I write every poem as a moment in my life. I write every poem as a knife in the fight. I let the words float in my mind. I look around to see what words I can find. I ponder every phrase that I use. I think on every day what I might lose. I have to work hard because I'm not given a chance. I must prove every day that I belong. I have to write every line of my song. I have to use my words for more than romance. I think every moment of every single day. I battle every day as my body makes me pay. I ponder every day thinking on every line I think every moment to settle my mind now I, I just wrote that to try and kind of conceptualize that in the world of like medical Twitter and medical conferences and these discussions people who are doctors nurses physios they have the credibility of their credentials, of their education, of their work experience uh, behind them as a sort of proof of belonging. And in my experience, I always feel that I have to prove myself. I have to prove why the patient experience matters and I have to be useful and I have to be adding things whether it be adding value to the conference or whether it's bringing us a, a different point of view in webinars or or anything like that i have to i have to prove that I belong and the people who invite me to the conferences i'm sure will say no 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 that's not the case and i'm sure from their point of view that it's not but that's not how i feel and it's not to do with how anyone treats me because the people at the conferences are mostly extremely kind and extremely willing to listen and want to hear the story because they know it's a part of their education and their understanding that is missing and that people like me need to speak because 
if we don't, then that continual lack of understanding will fester and will continue and nothing will get better because the only way things are going to get better is if the people who have received the treatment or received the methods uh, come and tell actually this is what we experienced and and we think that something was right here we think that whatever particularly in things like delirium where it's not plainly obvious there's no blood test there's no there's no physical thing that you can point to that goes oh they've had a they've had an easy case or they've had a little case or or anything like that you can't tell the severity of delirium and in my experience people think like short delirium you know is less traumatic but I think it might not be that it depends on what that delirium was to the patient that if it was an excruciatingly traumatic experience where they've been tortured that even in a very short period of time that's going to have a profuse and diverse effect on their psychological outlook going forward as well as their continual cognitive and um, associated memory based uh, brain function and I don't know what the long term solution to this is I think delirium is going to be a thing that we as patients and, and healthcare professionals are going to have to come to terms with as as something that will exist particularly in ICU unless we manage to find some way to remove these medications that are that are causing the issues if we can get to a place where we are able to safely not sedate any patient in ICU then we will probably eliminate delirium but realistically I don't think that will ever be possible and so at the very least there will be a delirium population in ICU and I suspect that there will be delirium in the community probably delirium in the wards but if we can do things to mitigate the risk and shorten the time of the delirium episodes we have a greater chance of reducing the effects on the the patient so I'm going to read another poem and this was when I was having a really bad day I'd spiked a really high temperature of 39 degrees celsius uh, and yeah it was it was not a great day so I used my poetry to try and bring me not closure but calm my mind so this is my narrative of this my day from hell it started with a temperature of 39 degrees soon my spirit has broken by the weight of the world my fever it burnt out my happiness covid test i went to get at the airport blood's taken at my gp to solve the problem but then night rolls on and i'm called dear mr hudson we can't find your neutrophils we are distressed so on us you must impress the facts of your case bear your soul to us the strangers on the phone and in your house now my brain is disquieted i'm distressed 
my heart broken by a value of 0.1. How am I to overcome this battle inside, this mental anguish I've been prescribed? The sweetness of my words hide my pain. I now fear for my life once again. I must wear my brave mask for others need me to cope, to provide solace or even hope. I take off my mask only to polish it, to give a shine, to make the smile look like mine. This is my narrative for this my moment in time, but I will overcome, I will thrive, I will remain alive. So that's how I am using creativity to cope with not just my ICU recovery but my life as a whole and another final point of how I'm using creativity is this the podcast in a rather dark time of corona isolation I tried to think of ways that I could facilitate education and try and do things with my friends that would help and I always had the idea of this podcast in one way or another but because I found ways to say I didn't have time or I wouldn't be able to get guests I wouldn't be able to do this that or whatever I was able to put it off and then corona came and I didn't have an excuse so I started it called upon my my friends to help me and they were more than willing as as you'll have seen from previous episodes and from episodes that will happen in the future I'm very thankful for that it has been a lot of fun doing it which that that helps particularly in the current times there's not a lot of joy to be had but these conversations they're always brilliant they're always a lot of fun it's always great to see my friends some of which I haven't met in real life so it's very it's very interesting very nice and in in kind of ending I just want to say if you're you're recovering from ICU or you're recovering from mental health issues or you have mental health issues like myself it's okay to not be okay but sometimes writing it down or singing about it or dancing or whatever it is you want to use as your creative outlet is really beneficial it really can help cope in times where you feel overwhelmed or you feel run down or you feel like the world is just leaning on you and that's the key point of the use of creativity and, and recovery for me is that it doesn't matter what form it takes as long as it's helping you and helping you channel the issues that you've had and trying to put them in a way that will benefit your life whether it be writing poems that people like whether it be coming up with an interesting dance or a cool song that you've written or or a melody that you can play on an instrument or recording a podcast or writing a book or 
writing a short story or, or painting a picture or any of these things or or other things that I'm sure I can't think of at the moment but I think creativity and creative things making making a video game is another one that's just popped in my head they are so important in helping us cope with things I feel that these creative uh, subjects and creative processes are I feel like they're our way as humans of, of dealing with negativity and dealing with negative energies and positive energies and just like, turning them into clay and, and sculpting them into things and, and I just I just wanted to share with you I don't know if there's any patients listening but there's certainly healthcare professionals listening and that you can use this to help people recover better whether it's yourself as a patient recovering or as a professional in your life or as a professional coping with the immense stress and strain that is existing in the world just now you're being asked to do so much more than previously and in in general for very little in the way of of anything back other than a pat on the back and a thank you and I just want to to sign out by saying that I wrote a small section for Dr. Shibley Raman's book The Essentials of Delirium which is available on Amazon and from the publisher's website and if you want to know, know the best way to treat delirium and understand delirium a bit better then I would wholeheartedly recommend that you purchase that book or if it's in your hospital library or wherever I would highly suggest that it is most definitely something that you should read um, and saying that I am Mark this has been ICU Life and Recovery if you are listening on Apple Podcast if you could leave a review that would be extremely helpful uh, and if you could share the podcast if you think it's it's good that would be great you can contact me on Twitter at ICU underscore life you can send me an email uh, which is icu.life.and.recovery at gmail.com I would love to, to hear from you, hear from your thoughts, hear from you for ideas of what I might do in the future, things you would like to see. Uh, that would be great. And thank you for listening. See you next episode.